Welcome to Opening the Door podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to our psychic and mediumship abilities. Today I'm bringing you an interview with Denise, also known as the Grateful Messenger. We get into past lives, we get into her work and how she got to where she is today, the concept of time, all the good stuff. I hope you enjoy. Today we're welcoming Denise to the podcast. Welcome, Denise. I'm so excited to have you here. Can you introduce yourself and your work to our listeners? Sure. Uh, My name is Denise, and I also go by The Grateful Messenger. That's my website and where I can be contacted. I'm a psychic medium. I've been doing this for many, many years now. I have to say, I love your podcast with Samantha. And also, just a little plug, I did take... Denise and Samantha's mediumship course um, a few months ago, and it was absolutely fantastic. So oh, thank yes. you. Um, yeah, such a great experience. So let's jump right into it. Can you tell me a little bit more about your psychic mediumship journey? How did you get to where you are today in your practice? So I think so. like so many of us, I came this way. I shut it down for many years. I worked a professional job stayed under the wire. And then several years ago, it started to become more and more obvious that this was a path that I wanted to revisit and have become more part of my everyday life. Uh, I had a situation with a woman that I worked with and her husband had passed unexpectedly. And he just, (laughs) you know, as a medium, he just kept kind of hounding me a little bit. So I I spoke with her about it. That kind of opened the floodgates. So I think sometimes spirit will let you know if this is work you're meant to step into more fully. Wow, that's amazing. So when that moment happened, how did that information come through? Did that come through clairvoyantly? Did you, were you hearing words and phrases? How did that first sort of experience come through for you? I'm very clairvoyant. I'm also very clairsentient and claircognizant. I, you know, I think the older you get and the more you do this work, the clairs kind of build on each other. So you may start out predominantly receiving and and channeling information in one way, and then it will grow and evolve as you continue to develop and practice. So I had um, pretty much just had a sense of this person in spirit and then started getting messages of visually and, and clairaudiently. So on your website, you talk a little bit about in, on your about page, and you mentioned that your father was a gifted medium. Can you speak a little bit more to what that was like growing up with a parent who uh, was also a medium? Well, my father was very, very, very much a strong medium, not practicing because you have to go back to that generation of time and you know, just hardworking people. And my mother was also very, very intuitive. So growing up where that was normalized, at least at home, gave me a foundation that I think has carried me through my entire life where it wasn't taboo. It wasn't, you know, you're making stuff up, all those things that so many people uh, are limited by. Uh, But I also was brought up in a religious situation, which wasn't really conducive to being a medium. So I think so many of us have had either mixed messages or situations that kept us from fully embracing this throughout our lives. So I I do think that I was very blessed to, my father would always say, you know, trust that little voice within. And he was very, very clear, clear audience. So when you learn to do that from a young age, it's just normal. And I think 
a lot of people now are encouraging their children to keep the doors open on their connection with spirit. What were some of the things that helped you sort of decide to break away and really step into, fully step into your abilities and really fully step into your power? Well, I think that a big part of that is all of the years that I was working as a special ed teacher, that I was raising my children, that I was living in small communities in different places where it was, I didn't want my kids to have that crazy mother, and I'm not inferring that doing this work is crazy, but small towns, you might get a different perspective sometimes from folks. Yeah. And and also being the primary person that had to be responsible, sometimes you have to go to work, you get paid every two weeks, your children have medical coverage, and that's the reality of it. But throughout that whole time, I was always reading books and taking classes and and just learning and learning and growing and evolving with this work. And I think for a lot of us, that's what we do is we we keep we're just drawn to this over and over. And then as opportunities open up to take classes with people or to find like-minded people, and I think it will unfold beautifully if this is the path you're meant to be on. It's such a good thing to mention that when you start pursuing this work, psychic mediumship or you know Reiki, any of this sort of within the spiritual realm, like that you don't have to just jump, absolutely jump into it being professional or doing professional readings and all this stuff, like all at once, it can be this great build for your own personal growth. And then, as you said, like it can build into uh, sort of stepping into a, a new phase of it. So yeah, it's like, and also I think not everybody who is psychic or a medium or does this work, um, does it professionally. So I think that's a, such a great thing to remember. Right. And it's a commitment. It's a huge commitment. And I think I'm a really big fan of start. If you're thinking of doing this professionally, start a side hustle, see if you like it, see what's involved energetically. Does it feed your soul? Does it bring you joy? Because it it's once you will hit a point if you do this professionally, where you step over the line and you don't go back and it becomes so much of who you are and what you do that that can permeate other aspects of your of your life. So when you decided that you wanted to pursue these abilities of yours, obviously that you were, well, we're all sort of born with it, but you were really born wide open and, and had this going on for a lot of your life. So when you started sort of pursue to per, started to pursue that honing those abilities, what were some of the things that you did just to begin? The practice meditation, everyone that will always say, oh, meditate, meditate, meditate. And there is a lot of validity to that, but that may be that you sit in nature, you walk in the woods, you're by the ocean. It doesn't necessarily mean lotus position in Om. Not, I mean, that may work for you too. Uh, taking, if you can find people that you trust to take a class with, I think that's important. And now the beautiful part of that is everything is online and you can train with some of the best people in the world that are offering these classes in it. If you you know, the whole mediumship mecca is Arthur Finley College in uh, England. And a lot of people may not have the resources to do that. But if you can get online and take a class or you can go to different aspects, different places that offer things, the wonderful opportunity, because then you get to explore what really resonates with you in your energy blueprint. Yeah, what a great thing to mention. Um, can you speak on that a little bit more? How can some, maybe somebody who's listening, who's sort of ready to dive in, how can they start to feel out what 
what works best for them in, in this type of work? I think being aware of how you receive information. So I'm, I'm sure many of your listeners are already aware of, you know, you may be clairsentient where you just sense things. You just get such a strong visceral feeling. You may be claircognizant where you just know things. You don't know why you know things, but you know things. Or if you get images in your mind's eye or like a photograph in your mind, a picture, an image, a feeling of a picture that you're clairvoyant, uh, clairaudiences, you may hear something in your, not a disembodied voice saying, hello, it, it's more <laughs> in your <laughs> mind. And you, so there's, there's all these different ways you can process the information. And the more familiar you get with how your, uh, how it works for you, because spirit will use whatever your memories, experiences, expertise are to bring that through. So if you come from a place of your truth and your authenticity, it allows spirit to work so much more clearly through you and with you. Fantastic advice. So one thing that you offer on your website and on as a service to others is past life regressions. And I would absolutely love to dive in and talk a little bit more about past lives. I did a training at the uh, Edgar Casey Foundation for Past Life Regression. So this was more of a soul directed, uh, your higher self. So you go into a hypnotic state and some people do go back to a past life. Some people meet their higher self. Some people work with guides and angels. It's a very unique experience. Years ago, I'd been trained in more of a um, core shamanic practice of, of leading past life regression. So I love to, to compare the two. But if you believe that there's multiple lifetimes and that we come to earth to work on these life lessons and karmic things that we, relationships we may have with people, you can always go back in and revisit that. And it may be the answer to something in this life that is keeping you from fully stepping into your power, your light and your purpose. So if you have possibly a fear or a blockage or a relationship with someone that it, it's been maybe acrimonious or adversarial or tr very trying and you're saying, what is it? I can't figure it out. You may be able to go back and say, oh, that makes sense. I did a, a past life regression recently with someone who had some horrific, horrific fears around a child in their life and did a past life regression. And she thought that she was going to lose this child in this lifetime. And we did the past life regression. And what had happened was she had passed and left the, the child alone. So she was able to heal through that and realize, okay, this is old stuff that I've carried over. And I wow. think that's, yeah. it, it's very much a healing modality, but being open-minded to realize there's so much more than what we may feel in our, our carbon-based body. Yeah. That's incredible. Thank you for sharing that story. Um, so for somebody who might not be as familiar with the past life um, or what it is, how would you define what a past life is and sort of the, the wondering of like why we experience more than one lifetime on earth? My own personal opinion and a lot that I've read about is that, and I believe this, if we come to earth to learn life lessons and to grow and evolve and do our soul work, 
and we come in with soul groups to learn these lessons. Because if you think about it, some of the greatest strides we've made in our own personal growth have come from the most difficult relationships in our lives or the most trying situations. So if we contract to come into a life to learn and work on those things so that our soul can, can evolve or that we can help someone else evolve. So maybe we're playing the catalyst in someone else's story to help them reach a new level. If we come and we achieve certain things in one lifetime and then we'll say, oh, didn't quite get that. We have this opportunity to come back again and say, let's try it in a different scenario. Let's see if we can revisit this and maybe get more, more growth, more evolution, more, um, I, I think a big part of it sometimes is people will repeat things over and over and then they'll come in and say, you know what, I'm done repeating that. I'm ready to have ease and grace and love and acceptance in my life rather than struggle and pain. I'm, I'm a big fan of, and, and I think it's more, it's going, I, personally, I think it means more to someone if they have the experience. I know there are past life practitioners who will say, oh, you had this life and this is who you were and this is what you did. But because I have that balance between my brain hemispheres, I want some logic. I want someone to have that experience for themselves because if someone tells you something, they're planting that seed and saying, you're saying, oh, they must know, they're telling me this. But if you have an experience, and what's really interesting is people experiencing experiences in very different ways. So it's, you set an intention and your, so it may be something you want to work on or release or grow or uh, a, a relationship. So you set the intention of what you want to work on. You do a guided meditation and a uh, go into a hypnotic, semi-hypnotic state. You're still cognizant the whole time. You're able to talk back and forth. You're very aware. And then you have this experience, which will relate back to the intention you set. And then at the end, process through that, because I would, if I'm the practitioner, I take notes so that I can review it with you at the end. And you can say, oh, this makes sense how this fit in. I think that some people uh, have very, it, it usually comes out, people will, it'll be they're observing it, or they're very enmeshed in it. Some people just get a sense and they don't see or hear, but they feel what's going on. Or some people uh, will have colors or emotions or it's so unique to the individual it, it's absolutely fascinating yeah fascinating do you find that people when they're in these past life regressions with you you know you're leading them through do you find that they recognize people from their current life maybe in, in a different form or different body but like do you find that people do recognize past relationships in their past and with their current lifetime Often they do, yes, especially if they've gone, gone into work on relationships. So if you're having a, a recalcitrant relationship with someone in your life and you do a past life regression, and then you meet them and you say, oh, these are the dynamics that we're playing again, it allows you to come back and say, or it may, one thing that comes up that's quite interesting is when people are in very committed relationships and then they go back to another life where they weren't able to have that love or that connection or that union. And then in this lifetime, they are so protective of it because they didn't have it in another lifetime. 
so it sounds like to me when you set the intention, you sort of like, let's say I went, I'm coming to you for a past life regression. I'm sort of setting the scene for what I want to get out of it. Um, so like whatever I'm struggling with. And then when you go into the regression, that's how you're led to what you see. Does that make sense? So it's like, I wouldn't just like pop into a random scene from a past life. I'm really intentionally popping into something that I need to see. Is, is that correct? Yes. And the, another way that people will leave regressions is with guided imagery and they'll bring you down. Okay. So you're same thing. You go into that semi-hypnotic state and then they'll say, okay, you're walking through this path. You're going down by the river and they'll guide you through it and then allow it to unfold for you. So neither is better or worse. It's just different, different ways to get to the same place. I guess. Yeah. Cool. Do you think, I'm just interested in your opinion on this. Do you think that past lives can, or can people access past lives that have been not on planet earth? Do we, do you think that there's other lives you've lived that have been off this earth? And if so, can we access those? I have done this work with people who have had very intergalactic experiences. Were they from another life? Were they from another realm that they were visiting in that semi-hypnotic state? I'm not really sure, but I know that for the people experiencing it, it was incredibly real and visceral. Fascinating. Also, in the same vein, do you think that our spirit comes back only as human or could we do a past life regression and I'm seeing myself as like an elephant or something like that? It hasn't happened with anyone that I've worked with. And my, my own personal belief is that we're, I mean, if you think about it, nature is dependent on the interconnection of species. And there are 8 billion people on the planet right now. And we're the only species that isn't interconnected with nature. So I think that we, we may stick to our species when we come back. I'm not saying that it's, I know that people have religious beliefs or, or foundational beliefs that they, they, and maybe that's part of it is what is your belief system yeah. to what, where you, uh, where you would go in a past life regression. Oh yeah, totally. Your past lives. And follow-up question, we can do them totally separately. I'm just getting out there because I feel like I'm going to forget. From a past life, can you gain sort of how many times that your self has been on to earth or on this spiritual plane? I think you could. And again, that's why I'm always a little hesitant or maybe cynical is a better word. If you meet someone and they look at, oh, you've had... 113 past lives and they just spiel it right off my logical mind has has trouble with that like where did you get that number how do you know that is it and maybe that's just a a connection that I don't have so I'm not discounting it if someone is has that uh, connection and ability to do that but what I do know is you if you have a certain uh, like a real draw to a certain historical period in time or you're fascinated with a, a fashion of a certain time, or you've always loved music from a certain era, or there's a place on the planet that you would just love to go to, or you feel a familiarity to a place. Those can all be indicators that you've had a past life in that area or in that situation. Yeah. Cool. It's like the soul calling back a little bit, or there's like a deja vu there. Is Do you think deja vu is connected to 
past lives? I heard the weirdest thing about deja vu years ago. And they said, when you have deja vu, it's your, your soul is letting you know that you've hit that. It's almost like a checkpoint in your life contract. Like, okay, you've already seen this before you incarnated in this life. Yep. You're on the right track. So I, I don't know. I kind of like really that cool. thought though. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of like that too. It's like, it's almost a confirmation of where you are and where you're going a little bit. So that's really cool. I love that idea. So you talked a little bit about what happens when you take some, lead somebody through a past life regression. If somebody books with you, uh, can they do it virtually? Yes, I, I've done these over Zoom for people in lots of different parts of the world. So it's just a matter of having a strong internet connection. I, we, It's just like doing a Zoom call. And it's it, the other thing is you're not in a deep trance. You're not completely immobilized you're still very cognizant very aware they're very able to interact so if the link drops or the internet you, you're not left out floating around in the ethers you're right. able to, to to bring yourself back and yeah you can even pick the call right back up and start where you left off so that's wow. not but it's I've had really wonderful success and very grateful to get to work with so many wonderful people doing that work yeah very cool I'm trying to think of any other great questions I have about past lives. It's just something that absolutely fascinates me. Is there anything that I'm missing in terms of like all the great stuff about past life regressions and sort of like learning about it? I think it's a wonderful tool and modality to connect more fully with your own inner knowing in light. So if something has always troubled you or worried you, or you've had a, a, something in your heart that calls you out to something more past life regression can be a wonderful way to explore that it can also be a great way to get the validation that you're on the right track so if you've if we do this if and truly in a sense so much of all of the intuitive work is subjective it in, in many ways that if we really do come back to work on these life lessons and you, it gives you more freedom to enjoy the life you're in now and to say, wow, it doesn't have to be just constantly grief and loss and struggle. It could be how, what do I want to bring into this life? So if I ever revisited it, I'd be like, wow, I made the most of that one, didn't I? Yeah. What a thought that, (laughs) whoa, that just blew my mind. Like if you're future self almost steps back Mm -hmm. into the life that you're currently in what will they see whoa right and we're 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 constantly making that choice all the time my mind is just absolutely that just (laughs) I am almost speechless like that just sort of blew my mind wow Um, and sort of on that note, I think I haven't got one before, but like the thought of it sort of also, it it almost feels like, um, it helps you sort of also step back from your own self and look at, um, your past life and maybe your current life a little bit more from a different perspective. Like, obviously we're all so close into our own lives. We see it, you know, hand right in front of the eyes, but I feel like doing a past life regression thinking about something that is really tough for you in this current life and seeing how you're working through it in past ones too can help you sort of take a step back and just look and also hopefully see your progress a little bit as well. That's a a beautiful, beautiful point. 
I heard this really, it, it fascinated me because I love to read and learn and, and all of those things you do as well, that uh, Alberto Valdo, who's very well-known um, shamanic practitioner, and he was talking about the chakra system. And he said, above you on the eighth chakra, above your head, that that holds all your memories and experiences from all your lifetimes. And when you incarnate, it downloads into your body. So you have all those memories from all those lives and experiences that you've had, because I couldn't figure out where are we getting these from? Where, what are we tapping into? Are we going to a different realm, a different dimension? How do I know to go back to this time period and find me? So is, you know, you can go down the big rabbit hole with this at all happening simultaneously. Are there multiple dimensions, the time-space continuum, you know, big, that's a huge, yeah. huge rabbit hole. Huge. Uh, <laughs> but then you start, the, and he said, when you pass, everything uploads to that and is held until you incarnate again. I love that theory. I love it. Yeah. Wow. That's very powerful. And yeah, the thought of all time happening at once, like makes my mind bend. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like, <laughs> yeah. So, and even if you think about like, we won't rabbit hole too far, even though we probably could, but like, if you think about it like that, it really makes sense why you can still feel things sort of like that download you're talking about. Like you can still feel things in the body because it's almost all happening at once. Like it's a, um, it's definitely a mind bender to think about it that way for sure. It is. And when people come in with, uh, something in their physical body now, and they do a past life regression and they find that something happened in another life and they have a birthmark in a specific place, or they have an issue with their, say their legs or their feet or whatever. And there is a reason that it carried over is that cellular memory being transferred similar to epigenetics when things are passed down from generation to generation. Yep. It's, there's so much to think about. Yeah. So much <laughs> I have for like my whole life basically had this like weird, irrational, um, like I hate anybody touching my neck, especially the mm -hmm. front of my neck side yeah. neck. Okay. Front neck, not okay at like, I, like, you know, won't allow it to happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have always sort of wondered, like, I wonder if, um, you know, there's some sort of past life thing that's just carried on through, through this one with that. If there's nothing in this lifetime that would be indicative of why you feel that there's a really good probability of that. Yes. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. So on sort of this note of you helping people through past, like, regressions. And also on this note, we're going to sort of start talking about, so what are some things that you do to prepare for reading somebody, whether it's a past life regression or a psychic mediumship uh, reading? I always do a prayer, pretty much a prayer and a set an intention. I call in, you know, guides and angels and religious figures that are important to me. I ask to be highest and best for whoever that I'm working for, to be a clear conduit for spirit. And I think that's one of the, the premises of doing any of this work is I, I'm a huge, huge uh, advocate for let it come through you, not from you. If your ego is in the way, you're not being a clear conduit. And that's disrespectful to spirit and disrespectful to the person that you're working with. So if you can become the vessel and let it come through you, that's a beautiful gift because you get to feel that energy coming through, but you also get to 
especially in the case of mediumship, you get to feel the emotions that, or the love or the connection that people had with their, their folks in spirit. What are some of the things that you do to sort of help yourself step away from the ego? We all have it. The ego is part of us. So what are some of the things that you do to sort of help step away from that while you read? Well, that's always one of my things is I ask when I'm getting ready to sit down and I, I get in the zone is I ask to get out of the way. I ask my guides. I ask, you know, the, the team that I work with, they please get me out of the way and let this come through me, not from me. And if you're in, if you do this work and you catch yourself getting into your mind, just hit that switch and say, you know, I'm going to step out. And it's not that you're not aware, but it means that it allows spirit to come closer. Um, I love, love, love blending. I love channeling. I love trance work where you allow their energy to overshadow you so you can feel their mannerisms. You can feel their expressions. And I think that's our job as, as media, if we're sticking with mediumship right now, is to paint them back to life, bring through that essence of, you know, you're connecting with someone's loved one. They were a person, they were, or, or a pet even. They were someone that was on the planet that was very important in someone's life. And I think our job is to try to bring that essence back. It's really great to say, oh, I've got a man, he's six foot two, he has blue eyes. That's great. But when you can bring back someone's personality or their essence or their just who they really are, that's an amazing, amazing gift to share with someone. You mentioned blending. Can you define that? So blending is if you, you uh, obviously you raise your vibration to connect with spirit and they, you know, lower theirs to, to reach with you. But what you do is you ask them to come closer and you feel their energy come closer to you so that they, I guess overshadow is the best word to use. You feel their energy come close enough to you, to your auric field, where you may, your hands might start to feel different or your, you might start to move or you might feel, if, because again, spirit will use whatever you're experiencing and expertise. If you're really good with regional dialects, like you've traveled a lot or you, you're, you have a really good ear for languages, they may use that and you may all of a sudden start to speak with a different uh, tone or dialect or, 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 you know, as I said, regional. Uh, you may also start to feel, some people feel physical, uh, not, not pain, but they'll get indicators in their physical body of either health issues someone had when they were here or how they passed. And those are all validations that you can bring through. The old style of mediumship was you know, evidence, evidence, evidence message. It was very much the CERT method. And now it's more about bring through their personality, bring through the messages, bring through that, that memory of who they really were, because that's what's going to help people heal. And when you blend, you allow their energy. To, and it, they don't take, it's not ghost. You, you don't start dancing like Beetlejuice. It, it's just you feel it come so close and it's a beautiful, beautiful feeling to have. Do you find when you do, I know they can blend psychic and mediumship readings can really blend together when you're accessing somebody's or a field and sort of starting to read into that. So do you find that most of the time when you do a psychic reading that you also end up receiving messages from ancestors and um, sort of it gets a little bit into the mediumship? I think for me personally, it depends on the person. If someone is really open, sometimes it, they a lot of people will say, keep it separate, do your psychic, 
do your mediumship, keep it different because you don't want to fluctuate your energies. But for many, it is a blend. It is more of a, you're reading the tarot or you're doing a Reiki on someone or your craniosacral or something, and you start feeling those people come closer. So it's, it's all vibration and frequency. So it, it goes back to what I said earlier about honoring your blueprint and how it works best for you. Yeah. When you receive messages, are you, what's your, and you sort of mentioned in the beginning that these sort of clairs kind of build on each other, but what is, what does uh, your messages tend to come through as? Predominantly, I would say uh, very clairvoyant. I get images, I get signs that way. They'll use um, certain visuals that I get in my mind's eye that will give me indicators of what's going on. So if I'm doing the mediumship and there are certain people I know in my everyday life that if, if I see one of my sons in my mind's eye, I would 99 times out of 100, the person in spirit, if it's a male energy or, or masculine energy, is going to be, you know, over six feet tall, big, burly, kind of a, you know, and it, I'll get characteristics or size from people that I know in, in my real life. So again, spirit using what I already know and what I have in my memory bank. Yeah, I feel like that's a great note to make. One of the things when I sort of started practicing and doing this was the way I received messages, I I was like, you know, I started kind of to be unsure, like, why am I seeing this or that? Or it's like, I wanted them to come through looking a certain way, but really like, obviously spirit was just telling me like, this is how you're going to receive. And it's been great once I really leaned into it. But can you speak to a little bit finding your signs and like sort of confirming what things mean for you when when you started practice obviously you've been doing this for a while so your signs are probably very clear um but what were some of the things that you did to sort of confirm signs when you started doing this work so that's i had this conversation last night with a group that i'm working with and we someone said well i can't ask for a sign and they'll give it to me i can't say oh show me a rose if it means this I don't either. I've just had things that have evolved over time where if I see one of my, I don't know why, but I think my guides have a funny sense of humor. If in my mind's eye, I see a little, you know how little tiny kids come out wearing their old favorite shirt and it's too small and their little bellies are hanging out. Whenever I see that, it means someone has outgrown some aspect of their life or the person in spirit will show me that and say, let them know they've outgrown it and it's time to move forward. So there's all kinds of things. So however you process information in your everyday life, it can also be used as an intuitive or a medium. So cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I have found when I started doing this, that it was a lot more interpretive than I had initially thought. Like when I saw, you know, watch on TV, like Long Island Medium or like, you know, some of those shows that are on TV and Um, with getting readings, I always just thought that the message came through like in a very clear sentence or in like this and this. And I was always fascinated about how like people got messages so clearly, but yeah, as, as you sort of learn to start doing it, you develop sort of this dictionary of signs and yeah, sometimes they're like, you're not seeing the person has outgrown. You're seeing that symbol. So I think it's a, it's a cool thing to sort of learn how your own symbols work and how they're all sort of unique to every reader, which is really cool. And that goes back to what you asked about blending is when you are able to blend successfully, 
and you can do this for intuition or for mediumship, it will just be almost a stream of consciousness that comes through you that is so, I think one of the best, the highest compliments we can get as, as readers, especially as mediums, is if someone says, oh my God, you sound just like him, or that's exactly what she would say. That means that you've actually connected with their person and you're bringing through. And it might be if, if you catch yourself using expression or words, or uh, this is an odd way to put it, but I'll say sometimes I don't feel like I have English in my mouth mm-hmm. and I'll know that someone is talking a different language. Do I know the language? No. And someone said, well, how can you understand them if they don't talk English? Because it's, it's telepathy. It's, it's mental. It's going to come through mind to mind, not, um, I don't need to have a, a Google translate button. Right. And I think that also speaks again to spirit getting your signs across the way that you'll receive them. Like, you know, isn't, isn't it interesting? I think the signs probably that mediums and psychics were using, let's say in like the 18 and early 1900s are, might be really different than the signs that you or anybody else sort of doing this work in sort of the modern day or current time might see. So that's kind of an interesting thing to think about as well. Oh, I agree. I agree. And it will continue as, as the world shifts and transitions into this new dynamic. So what is a myth that you would like to dispel about the psychic and mediumship uh, work or a psychic and mediumship community in general? Okay. I'm going to reword that a little bit in my head because what I've found lately is there a lot of people that are not doing this to be of service and my blunt side would say, you know, there's a lot of hacks out there and be careful. Because if it never, if someone tells you something and it doesn't resonate with you or doesn't feel right, please don't take it as, I I see people that are using this work to manipulate or control or to plant seeds of doubt in people. And that is incredibly, incredibly offensive. And, and I think the, the fact that please, I guess my, it's not really a myth, but it's along that, that track is we're all blessed with free will. So you, anything that comes through, it always, you always get to filter it through your own, through choice and free will. Great. Someone makes it yeah. definitive. They're, they're not being honest because it can't be definitive, especially with the intuitive stuff. If you're getting a tarot reading or an intuitive reading or something about this is going to happen, this may happen, that's the energy around you right now. And that can change at any given moment. So when people make it an absolute, I, I, I'm not a big fan of that. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I hear you. What are some things that people can do to sort of spot that before maybe they go too far down the wrong uh, path, getting readings from people like that? Personally, do not think you should ever feel afraid or worried or overwhelmed. So Years ago, I did a reading for a young woman and her husband had passed unexpectedly. And somehow she got my name and I got the husband. He came through. And at the end of the reading, she said, well, what time do you want me to call you next week? And I said, well, you don't need to call me next week. And she said, well, the last person I I was with for a long time said if I didn't call every week, he'd never come and talk to me again. And I thought, what a cruel cruel, hateful thing to do to someone or, you know, people that will say, oh, don't, you're never going to find love or you're just stay at the job you're at because you're, you're, you're never going to amount to more than what you're capable of doing. There's some 
mean people that are going to try to plant those seeds. Don't accept it. Just don't. Follow your heart. Follow your gut. If it doesn't feel right, if it doesn't resonate, please trust yourself. You're spot on with that. Why do you think psychic and mediumship work is important? My tagline is, I want to empower people to find their own inner knowing and light. And I want to be a clear conduit for spirit. As long as I stick, stick within those parameters, I know I'm here for the right reason doing this work. If you try to make it about fame or resources or finances or those things will come or they won't, but that's not why we do this work. I love that. Great answer. And last question, the question I ask everybody who's on the podcast, what can someone who's listening right now do in their daily life to open their door a little bit more to their natural psychic abilities? Again, you know, go within, meditate. I I think anything that is going to help you become more connected with who you are. And what I love, love, love is so many people are much more comfortable with their unique thumbprint. That's what it is. It's it's embracing your uniqueness and saying, wow, this is the way I am. This is who I am. If there's only one of you in the entire universe and you have this beautiful gift to make the most of this life. And one of those is we're all capable of being intuitives and mediums. It's it's innate. There's This isn't a special gift or Uh, some of us come by it more naturally, but we can all develop this. Yes. I completely agree with that. And I think I've said this on a past episode, maybe even the first one. I think if we were all a little bit more psychic, the world would be kind of a better place. So I completely agree with you. I think that's happening though. I really do. People are starting to, there's more normalcy and there's more acceptance and and especially with the little tiny kids coming in they're wide open and they're not shutting it down usually around historically around six seven years old kids start to shut it down and these kids are staying open and personally I think they're here for the transition the world is going through can you expound a little bit upon the transition that you think the world is going through again personal opinion i think the light is getting lighter and the dark is getting darker and people are making a conscious choice about where they want to align i think the in all the horrific things that happened with the pandemic it also brought us together in unity in a way that has never happened before on the planet and that's what i think this is leading towards is is true unity for as it goes back to what I said about being in uh, a species that can be interconnected with nature again. I, I hope that that's the end game. Denise, thank you so, so much for being here. I absolutely loved having this chat with you. Can you tell us one more time where listeners can find you if they'd like to book a reading with you or just if they'd like to follow along on your journey? Sure. Um, it's Denise and you can reach me. My email is denise at thegratefulmessenger.com. My website is The Grateful Messenger. I'm on Instagram, not not very much, but <laughs> it may show up. And uh, the podcast that I do with Samantha is Enlightened Empaths, and you can find that on any major venue, podcast awesome. venue. Wonderful. Denise, thank you again so much for being here. Oh, thank you, Haley. It's been a pre- pleasure. 
Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you want more from Opening the Door Podcast, don't forget to subscribe. Follow us on Instagram at Opening the Door Podcast. And remember, don't be afraid to open your door.